coffee. If I can't take my coffee break, something within me dies. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double on time something within me dies 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 my favorite line from that is i can't if i can't what is it if i can't put the cardboard between my what is that line oh my god i don't know (laughs) oh my god it's so funny i'm gonna let you it's like if i can't taste cardboard between in my face it's not right that's not right Card- anyway <laughs> i can't taste cardboard in my face that's they're like even if that's like, not they correct hate, they i hate think the coffee that they're drinking i think what's his name Lozier is going to enjoy it i'm sure he will yeah, yeah i'm yeah. excited for this final episode we have this month and our our month of we believe in broadway we believe and you know what like this month this is a good this is a really good title for this month because it seems like broadway is just like Bam, bam, bam. We're coming back this month in particular. Oh, I feel like it's been not bam, but like, I think we're coming back. And then shut the store halfway. Oh, Lord. Let's just leave it ajar. (laughs) Well, I mean, with all of the controversy happening with Actors' Equity and like, what's her name? The actress from Moulin Rouge not coming back Uh, and speaking up. I'm like, okay, things are happening now. Things are things are happening. A lot of advocacy happening. A lot of advocacy because Broadway is opening back up, and they're like, "We want to make sure we reopen correctly." And I'm yeah. like, "Cool." But yeah, this is this is a good month for we believe in Broadway. And uh, what musical are we finishing off? So we did. We had Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon with the Mormons. We had Jesus Christ Superstar with the, yes, the, the, with the Christians. Christians. <laughs> and now we are doing Fiddler on the Roof. I'm so excited we get to cover Fiddler on the Roof today. It'll be amazing. It's a good, it's a really good show. I know not everybody likes it. Eh, I like it. It's like, I feel like it's the rite of passage musical. It's one of them, like Godspell. It is, yeah. You gotta do it. And you learn so much doing the show, but but like if you're going to go listen to a musical, like like you're listening to the original soundtrack, it's not Fiddler on the Roof that you go to anymore. You go to Gwen Stefani's Rich Girl. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know. If I were a rich girl, if you know that song, but you don't know any songs from Fiddler on the Roof, guess what? You know a song from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> just, just switch, sort of. switch the genders. Yeah, switch genders, and and there's um, there's a couple of different hey, words in there. Yeah. There. Hey, there. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? I've got a grande caramel macchiato. I like that whenever we talk about what we're drinking, we always grab it and then we sip it. Mm. It's like we forgot we had a drink. I forgot I'm drinking something. Yeah, I have a grande caramel macchiato this morning, iced because it's warm outside. Welcome to Texas. And I need the fuel for my soul today because it's early-ish. We believe. We believe in fuel for our soul being coffee. Coffee break. Coffee break. <laughs> hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drinking? I am not only drinking the coffee you brought me, but I'm also drinking the coffee that Rigel made me. Aww. So I have my double shot latte situation. You have to spit it back out, though. No, no. You just said Rigel's I just, I just spit out the chia seed that I was chewing on. Love it. Yes. And then I also have my grande uh, iced chocolate almond <gasps> espresso shaken with the light cocoa powder. Yum. And the... if Oh, okay. Pro tip. 
if you get this iced chocolate almond milk espresso shaken with, uh, so it has like the chocolate powder in it, it all will kind of fall to the bottom. And if you do it with full ice, they will give you a straw to stir it. But we like the little baby sea turtles and we don't want to kill those with straws. So if you get it with light ice, not only are you not watering it down, but you're also leaving room to stir it by shaking it. They gave me a straw for you anyway. I know. And I put it in, in the your straw holder. Yeah. Okay. For later use. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about today? I am, you know, it's very funny because I was thinking about that when I woke up. I'm like, what am I whining about? Mm. And I feel, I <laughs> and, and when you ask me, it all disappears. I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember what I'm whining about, but I do remember that I had a 14 hour day on Saturday Oof. because my left leg keeps reminding me of that. Oh no. Because what I found out is that my body hates me. Same. So that's called getting old, or also all other medical things. issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I know the nerve of my body. The nerve of your body. I know, right but now. I was I was also sparkling wine. I had a fourteen hour work physical work day, Yay. so that was weird. I also got a new job. Huzzah! It's a part time seasonal job, but will they sponsor you. us? They mm, probably not. But <laughs> if you want clothes, we can talk. Yay! I do. I do. Okay. I want cl- I want some clothes. I want to look cute. I will reveal that at a later date. Cool. Cool. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? You know, I'm going to get real for a second. Ah, fuck. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to. Well, it's going to turn into a spark. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Well, okay. So I I went over and I had a great session, a headshot session with Tasha Gorilla. Love her. I love her. Natasha Navon photography. Photography. Y'all. Seriously, she's so good. But we we were talking, as you do in in a quick headshot session, and she was, you know, we were. Being truthful, just being totally upfront and truthful. And it's been a hard week. It's only Wednesday, but I've had a really rough week. Lots of crying, lots of tears, lots of self-doubt and hate hatred of myself. You know, I'm an actress and I'm not in therapy right now, so maybe I should be. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you you do it to realize your role. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. But we were we were talking back and forth and she's like, Man, I'm just creatively burnt out. Like I felt really creative at the top of COVID, but now it's just like, uh, I'm like, I feel the same way. And I thought there was something wrong with me. She's like, no, dude, that's everybody right now. I'm like, oh, I feel so good to hear that. Like, really, I'm so creatively burned out right now. I, cause we just did like all this hit the pavement, hard running at the top of COVID to, to stay afloat, you know? And it was just survival mode. And then being in survival mode for a whole, a whole year. Oof. It's just now catching up with me that I've been in survival mode and I'm so tired and I'm just like, okay, time to do something very different. Well, because we're going, we're pivoting back, right? Yeah, and, we're and starting I don't like to, it. And we, so we have to, and it's the constant pivot of like, we have to shut down everything. Yeah. And now we can only do a little bit. I will say my, the pivoting back to live theater and having to sing and dance in a mask not fun. I like came home with the worst headache last night. Yeah. Because I was like inhaling my own carbon dioxide for an hour, two hours. That's a lot. Days. It was a lot. Do you want like one of my face shields? Will they let you wear that? I don't, I doubt it. And I keep pushing those and they keep saying no. And there's like masks that are clear that sit on your chin and point up. Those are the exact ones I keep pitching and I keep getting me. Well, but I, I have full so. face shields. Yeah. I have like six of them if you want one. Yeah. Be careful if you're dancing in a mask not fun either way it's, it's not definitely fun. like breathing in the mask not yeah. like not like in the mask but like 
literally the mask going Inhaling inside my mouth. The mask, mask is going, going inside in my mouth. mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a pain in the ass, but yeah, I'm, it's also a pain in my mouth. You're doing it because you're with kids in the show, right? Yes. And most all the adults are vaccinated yes. at this point, but the kids are not able to be vaccinated. So, anyway, that was that's my. A positive came out of a negative for me, which was good. And I'm really excited about my headshots, actually. I, I am, too. I felt super confident, and Tasha's just the best. Just the absolute best. Love her. Yeah. She's... Yeah. Love her, too. If you want to book with uh, Tasha Corral for a headshot, she's one of the top headshot photographers in Houston, Texas. So mm-hmm. you can go and follow her on Facebook at Natasha... Nivon photography yes. or find her on Instagram at Tasha Gorell. She's also the same lady who did our photos for wines and dolls. Oh yes. Our lifestyle. Our lifestyle photos. Because <laughs> that's how we live our lives. We live our lives we with, a bottle of wine. with a bottle of wine. In <laughs> I know I do. Houston. Do you not? <laughs> Depends uh, on the ghost store. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, but you know, we can keep complaining of, and whining about our lives, but there's a lot to whine about here in this musical. Yeah, There's like a lot of shit that happens. We get out of our first world problems and we're like, oh, oh yeah, wait, no, it's not that bad. It could have been, <laughs> could always be worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You ready for this background? I'm ready for some background on Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, but first. Yes. A little personal connection. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was in this show. This was my first show to ever do in college. I wasn't in college. Like, this wasn't through. HBU, this was through Fort Bend Theater, y'all. If you remember that theater, um, I played Hoddle, and this was my first big role on a stage that was huge with a live orchestra. And Hoddle is which one? The second daughter. She is She the, marries uh, Perchik. She's the Ooh, smart one. Sh- no, ha- mm, yes. Yeah, she's the one that studies. Yes. So she's like the... In Pride and Prejudice, the Mary. Mm-hmm. And she's the only daughter that gets a solo. Oh, yas. And I, I had never heard of Fiddler. Like I had heard of it, but I'd never really been into it. Yeah. I went in for the audition and, and you're like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And I, I knew how to sight read. I had just come out of freshman year of college and, you know, I'd sight read in high school and they handed me this, this book. I'd never heard of the song that she sings. I'd never heard it and opened it up and sight read the shit out of it. <laughs> and everybody's such a like, good feeling. Oh God, it was such a good feeling. Cause the room was like, and yeah. that's how I got the role as nice. a sight read for the gods and kids. That's how you get roles is you learn how to sight read. Oh God, please learn how to read. Please. Like just learn how to read music for God's sakes. Please I, l- stop pretending way. like it's a punishment. When I teach you that, please stop pretending it's a punishment. It's a good thing. Y'all such a pain in the ass. I know. Anyway, but what's your connection to Fiddler? Oh my, I have a little one. A um, little baby connection. A little baby. I mean, cause it was the baby version. Aww. I did. I did Fiddler on the Roof. I guess it was junior. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with the Penguin Project in Peoria, Illinois. Penguin. Penguin, because uh, so Penguin Project, it's based out of Peoria. I think they Peoria. have chained out a little bit. Nope, we don't sing about Peoria. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and this theater. It's also okay. in like Metamora, <laughs> but uh, it is an organization where you they pair mentors with. Um, I think it's children all the way up to age 21 who have uh, some sort of physical disability or um, or some sort or like some sort of sickness. So it's a lot of kids with Down syndrome, a mm-hmm. lot of people who have a lot of uh, cerebral palsy. Um, I think 
it's something as minor as like ADHD. Yeah. All the way up to uh, there was a there was a actor who was in a wheelchair who could not speak. He was there and he had his mentor and he performed in this show. So the whole thing is that um, the stars of the show are these um, actors and performers who have some sort of a handicap. There yeah. we go. I was like, what is the word that we're using? Um, I'm trying to be PC and I can't remember. Handicapable. They are, yes, they have some sort of a handicap. Um, and yeah, and then you, my job as the mentor is to be in costume, learn the show, and then pretty much walk behind that actor. That's cool. And just make sure, like, if they forget a line, just kind of throw it in or make sure they're in the right spot. And I mean, it was a long rehearsal process. I think we rehearsed for four, five months to get this show up. And they did two or three performances. And they did, I think, two shows a year. And I, God, it was like a giant cast. There was probably 50 people. That's beautiful. Like 25, 25 uh, actors and 25 mentors. I love yeah. that. And the program with Penguin Project in particular is a really cool program. They do have a chain, um, pr- like, handbook. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to go and learn more about that, I think you just go to penguinproject.com. Oh, I'm going to go look in into the show notes. Yeah, That's it's really it's cool. neat. Hiya. Hello. I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And we have a podcast called Buried Broadway. On our podcast, Buried Broadway, we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals that we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar. Those hidden Broadway gems like Wildcat starring Lucille Ball, Flowers for Algernon starring the Phantom of the Opera himself, Michael Crawford, and even a rockin' musical version of The War of the Worlds. In our podcast, Buried Broadway, we go through biographies of key artists, summarize the plot, Play clips of the music, pick audition cuts, and hopefully throw in a good joke or two along the way. You can find our podcast, Buried Broadway, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's probably on whatever you're listening to this podcast with, so just go subscribe right now so you don't forget. And just to make sure you remember, we'll sing it for you. Buried Broadway! All right, I'm ready for some of that. I know. Some of that background. I'm gonna be your background bitch today. Give me that background bitch. Okay, so the show starts with. I'm gonna start with this. Our show starts with what is the fiddler on the roof? It's exactly that. Isn't that how the show starts? It goes like fiddler on the roof. What is that? Um, that's the no? only. That's in my brain. That's how the show starts. <laughs> no, it's like a fiddler on the roof. <laughs> sounds funny. No, that's that's, that's what it the is. opening. It's but not, he does ask. He well, <laughs> he he, he doesn't ever. I don't know if he ever asks the question because there's no definitive answer as to what the fiddler on the roof is, other than we'll talk about the paintings in a second. But there's no definitive answer. There's a bunch of scholarly. Uh, I think it was it was a clever situation, funny. but literally yeah. he starts like a fiddler on the roof. Sounds huh. huh. And <laughs> and then he's like at the end of the song, he's like, Yeah, life is as shaky as a fiddler on the roof. It, you know how in musical <laughs> or in shows we're like, oh my gosh, this is the, the title. This is the first line of this show. Fiddler I think he goes like Sounds funny, no? Fiddler on the roof. Okay. Well, my whole first bullet got fucked up. Sorry. Which brings us into Music for Fiddler on the Roof, which is a musical, was by Jerry Block. Lyrics by Sheldon Harnick, who um, that team is also known for She Loves Me. Mm-hmm. And book by Joseph Stein with no relation to Julie Stein. They spell it different. Uh-huh. 
And Joseph Stein um, is also known for the musical called The Baker's Wife, which was written with Stephen Schwartz. Hey, I know him. I know him. I know. I try to find... There's obviously a long list of other works they did, but those are the ones that kind of like stood out to me. Yeah. This 1964 musical is set in the pale of settlement of Imperial Russia in and around 1905. And the show itself is based on a book called Tevia and His Daughter's also known as Tevia the Dairyman, and other tales that were written between 1894 and 1914 by Shalom Alekim. How do I say that? Shal- uh, you said it earlier. Shalom Alekim. Yes. I, I, have, I don't have as much phlegm in my Which, throat this, this his morning. Name, his pen name translates in Hebrew to peace be with you, and it's the first two lines of the traditional Friday night Sabbath prayer. Yes. Shalom Alechaim. So that's something, something. That is the pen name for Solomon Namovich Rabinovich. He's he's Russian. It sounds, <laughs> when I heard his name, his real name, I it, it brought me back to last five years where he sings the tale of the, the, shmuel, the shm- shmuel. Yeah. yeah. In Renovich or something like that. But it's it's, that tale takes place in a town very much like Anatevka, where, where we take place in the show. If your name ends in Vich, you you're are Russian. most likely Russian. Yeah, you're yes. probably Russian. So he is actually referred... Where are you going, though, so fast? So he was <laughs> <laughs> my next bullet, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shalom was referred to as the Jewish Mark Twain because they had similar writing styles as well as the use of pen names. But when Mark Twain heard this... He replied, please tell him that I am the American Shalom Alekheim. <laughs> please tell him that I am the American Shalom Alekheim. You did it. Thank you. I got the phlegm. It was that extra, I guess, the extra sugar that they put in my drink when they were supposed to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> so in the late 1950s, a musical based on these stories actually was called Tevia and his daughters was produced off Broadway by Arnold Pearl Rogers and Hammerstein. And then Mike Todd briefly, briefly considered bringing this musical to Broadway, but they dropped the idea. Uh-huh. So it was about 14 years before Fiddler on the roof made it to the Broadway stage. It was also influenced by the life is with people by Mark Borowski and Elizabeth Herzog. Alheim wrote a dramatic adaptation of these stories, of the stories that he left unfinished at his death, but um, they were produced in 1919 in Yiddish by the Yiddish Art Theater and made into a film in the 1930s. He tried so hard to get in with them and didn't become successful until he died. Oh, yeah, you gotta wait till you die. Ugh. Hate that. So Fiddler investors and the surrounding media actually worried that the show would be too Jewish. They actually they said ethnic too, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. To attract mainstream audiences. I guess Wikipedia maybe changed it to too Jewish. I think they did. (laughs) But yeah, they said too eth they might have said too Jewish and meant ethnic or ethnic meaning Jewish, but yikes. It's just a yikes so all around. So there was actually some changes made to the story itself to attract more mainstream audience. So some of the changes that we'll see is that they made the officers that were working or like in the village with the family, they made them much more sympathetic. 
uh, um, than they are described in the book. They're described very brutal in the book. Also, Tevia's family is kept alive, whereas in the book, spoiler alert, <gasps> Tevia's wife dies. What? And the daughters just scatter, where in the musical, again, spoiler alert, they all pretty much just go to America. Yeah. Um, so in the book, Tevia is actually left alone, and it's sad. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That, but <laughs> And a lot of these stories are... Um, by this by this dude by Sh- uh, Shalom Alchaim are based off of his life growing up in one of these towns like Anatevka and he like it said that he ran into a guy named Tevya and this guy in his like neighboring town told him these stories so some and of them are them like kind of a biography biography he does have an autobiography yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as we said before things could get worse they could but they found this balance and so though it's not fully authentic um, it did make the show one of the first popular post-holocaust depictions of the vanished world of eastern european jewry that was a wikipedia quote uh, yeah i'm yeah. like jewry jewry i read that too word. It's, i know it's you take out the L. Eh, jewelry. That's jewelry. That's it was a new word to me, too. Yeah. So Harold Prince took over as producer. The original was Fred Coe, and he brought on his good pal, Jerome Robbins, hey. to direct and choreograph the show. When wherever Joe, Jerome Robbins shows up, though, nothing can go wrong. He was very passionate about <sighs> this show, though. Jerome. Well, this was actually his last original Broadway show that he staged. Really? Mm-hmm. He he really connected to this because of connections with his family, and and he saw Tevia as like his father. So he has some really deep seated emotional like connection to Fiddler, which was interesting to me. I didn't know that about Jerome Robbins. Well, and so deep seated, really actually Jerome was brought into the conversations on what they would name the show. Mm-hmm. And na- a name that was considered was actually Tevia among others, but they landed on the title um, Fiddler on the Roof after seeing various paintings by Mark Chagall. So here we are at the paintings. Yeah. So um, if you know your Fiddler on the Roof history, which I did not, uh, I, they I say that the, that the show is based off of paintings. The paintings by Mark Chagall include Green Violinist, which was a 1921 painting, La Mort, which I can only assume means the death. The death. In 1924, and The Fiddler, which is a 1912 painting. All these paintings also inspired the set that they used on Broadway. And um, they say the title, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, is its popular belief says it's based off of a painting, but it's really not. It's not referring to any one specific painting, though the 1912 Fiddler looks a hell of a lot like he's on a roof, which brings us into some tea. It's not super piping hot. Um, ah. You might know more about it than I do. But during rehearsals, one of the stars, Jewish actor Zero Mustal, feuded with with Robbins. I feel like this happens a lot. Jerome yeah. gets in fights with people. This is the second time we've talked about Jerome in fighting. Yeah. One was with Barbara. Um, yeah, I know. Don't fight with Barbara. He likes to fight with like high-status actors here. Um, so Zara Mostel feuded with Robbins, whom he held in contempt because Robbins had testified before the House of Un-American Activities Committee and hid his Jewish heritage from the public. Other cast member- members also had run-ins with Robbins, who reportedly abused the cast, drove the designers crazy, and strained the good nature of Hal Prince. So I... 
I think Jerome is one of those like type A personalities. No. No. He's just very specific about what he wants. And because don't say it so. Don't say it so. <laughs> don't make me direct. Don't make me direct. He just he knew what he wanted. And if somebody had a different opinion, he was like, You're wrong. But as far as <laughs> there's the, only one right answer. If you're if you're not sure what the House of Un American Activities Committee was, that was uh the they brought people in who they thought were communists at the time uh, around close to World War II, but a little earlier. Okay, so they would bring in these people who they thought were communists. So a lot of Russians were brought in, like Jerome Robbins, who I didn't know was a Russian Jew, and made them point out, and basically they were like, if you don't tell us names, if you don't name names of other communists, we're going to throw you in jail. We're going to smear a good name. And what they used against Jerome was... Uh, we will tell everybody about your homosexuality, which at the time was like, no, 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 that'll ruin my career. Mm -hmm. So he named names of other actors and directors who he thought were communists. They may not have been or maybe were, but he just named some names. He was like throwing it out there. And so Zero was like, how dare you? Damn commies, man. I mean, damn. Uh, but also, I mean, Broadway is a shady world. Shady, shady. Yeah. Like, that was, that was really fucking shady, though. Yeah. It's shady shit. Anyway, so Zero, like, called him out, and they had a big thing, but they patched their, they patched it up. Yeah, because, eventually. because the show eventually made it to Broadway at this point. What do we say? The show must the go must on. The must go on. That's what Jerome said. <laughs> and so did Buffalo Bill and Ooh. Annie Get Your Gun. Oh, I thought you were going to go with... The other silence? Buffalo Bill with yes, silence. I'm I know. Like, ah. And I'm like, nope, wrong. The original one. Come on, Shells. Get back in, get back in the show. Original production. So the tryout was held in Detroit at the Detroit's Fisher Theater, July and August of 1964. And then moved to Washington for August and September. And then moved to Broadway and opened September 22nd, 1964. So literally the tryouts were only through July to September. Very short tryout period. Uh -huh. And... Just like the Jews, the Broadway show was transient. It opened at the Imperial Theater and then transferred to Majestic Theater in 1967 and then transferred to the Broadway Theater in 1970. And it ran for a record-breaking total of 3,242 performances. What did that mean, just like the Jews, it was transient? They move. They migrate. Oh, okay. I know. I, I was like, this is a, it's a bad joke. Oh, Okay. <laughs> what does transient mean in your world? No, tran No, I was just like, why are the Jews transient? I don't... I guess in the show they are. They move a lot in the show. In the show. But also in history. Uh, They're always moving. It's like a whole thing. Being forced to move. They're being forced yeah. to move. Yeah. It's... Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, We're right. here. We're back. The director and choreographer was Jerome Robbins. The set, uh, which were... Styled after Mark Chagall's paintings, was designed by Boris Aronson. The logo, also inspired by Chagall, uh, was designed by Tom Morrow. Oh my God, tomorrow! Tom I know, right? <laughs> you know, his parents were like Thomas Morrow. That won't mean anything. Hilarious. But after all the success that was brought on by Chagall's paintings, Chagall allegedly did not like the musical. What? I know. Shut up, He's Chagall. like, wow, it's great. Don't I like don't it. I don't like it. <laughs> Rude. I feel like that was like a passing comment that he was like, eh, it was okay. And then people are like, oh my God, he hates it. 
which is, yeah. The awards won. I'm only going to talk about the original Broadway production because there have been so many productions post. Mm -hmm. Like there was literally a revival 10 years after it opened on Broadway. It closed and then they revived it. Mm -hmm. So Fiddler's original Broadway production in 1964 was nominated for 10 Tony Awards. And it won nine, including Best Musical, Score, and Book. And Robbins won for Best Direction and Choreography. They're like the Hamilton of their time. Oh, yeah. Mostel and Komalova won as Best Leading Actor and Best Featured Actress. And in 1972, the show won a special Tony on becoming the longest-running musical in Broadway history. Oh, really? In 1972. In, in 1972. Yeah. Okay. Remember, I had three, over 3,000 performances. Oh, wow. Like, sometimes when, we do, like when we're doing these shows, we're like, wow, 1,500. And that's only half of what yeah, Fiddler did. Yeah, Fiddler did. Which brings us into pop culture. Where is Fiddler today? Everywhere. Especially on the roof. Huh. <laughs> um, the song, this is, this is the most fun fact, so I want to say this first. The song, Sunrise, Sunset. Sunrise, Sunset, is often played at weddings, which I thought was funny, but makes mm-hmm. sense. So in 2011, Sheldon Harnick, who was one was the lyricist he wrote two versions of the song and one of them was suitable for same-sex weddings oh. with minor word changes for example for male couples changes included when did they grow to be so handsome Aww. if i were a rich man was covered by gwen stefani <laughs> in her 2004 rich girl how original i know right and parodies relating to the show have included, um, this was my favorite, Antenna on the Roof, <laughs> Mad Magazine, number 156 in January 1973, which speculated about the lives of Tevia's descendants living in the assimilated 1970s suburban America. That's funny. That's so funny, right? 1970, like, we didn't have antennas in, in where, where are they from? Like, Anatevka. Yeah, Anatevka. I'm like, what is that place called? <laughs> In Mrs. Doubtfire, 1993, Robin Williams parodies Matchmaker. Oh my God, that's right. I was trying to remember exactly when that happens. Harvey Firestein is playing his friend who dresses him up. Yeah. I think Harvey sings it with I him. I think he does too. Yeah. Oh, they do. They sing they it do. together. It's yeah. when they put the thing on, he goes, it looks like, it looks like something, like it's one of the... It's one of the versions before they land on Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. It's one of the other masks. And they're like, oh, I look like... Uh, Seidel or Hoddle. Yeah, Hoddle or... Um, Yenta. Oh, Yenta. They look, you oh, look I like, look like Yenta. Yenta. And then they sing Matchmaker. Matchmaker, Matchmaker. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what it is. It's literally just God, like I need a to watch that brief again. moment yeah. of hilarity. Broadway references Fiddler on the Roof um, in several different musicals, but the one that came up was Spamalot. Mm. And I was like, oh, I know Spamalot in and out. When do they reference... Fiddler on the Roof. They can't be talking about the Grail dance. Yeah, they are. They are. (laughs) Um, So if you do a bottle dance in a musical, it's going to be a reference to Fiddler. It is. Yes. So during the Grail dance, which... um, is during You Won't Succeed on in Broadway If You Don't Have Any Jews yeah. is the song. Oh, my God. Um, they have a bottle dance, which is also in the Fiddler wedding scene. So the original Broadway cast of the musical Avenue Q and the Broadway 2004 revival cast of Fiddler on the Roof collaborated, collaborated for a Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS benefit. And they produced approximately a 10-minute-long show called Avenue Jew. 
that incorporated characters from both shows, including oh puppets. <laughs> the Broadway Cares Equity Fights is benefits them. are amazing. They do, they do just, have some amazing stuff. And they just do great work. <laughs> they do. They do indeed. So who is this uh, uh, Zero Mattel character? Zero Mostel uh, was born in 1915 in New York, and he's an American actor, comedian, and singer. He is, he's best known as being a comedian. So to bring that to the stage for, he was the original Tevya. Yeah. To bring that to the stage gave Tevya this, he, you know, he's this big, uh, very traditional guy, and yet he's got a really lighthearted side. So it was, it was great to bring this, this zero mostel into it it was really yeah yeah he was made it made it what it is made the character what he is they took a very serious situation and made it funny yeah well and then the other big actor big name we should talk about is um topol topol uh is the uh actor that plays tevia on in the movie yes so uh shaim heim heim topol yeah and he's just known as topol he yeah. goes. He goes by that. But he's. Um, you want to talk, or do you have? No, you're good. Oscar-winning adaptation of the Broadway musical about a, the life among Jewish community. Blah blah blah. So Topol, I believe, he's he's done it on Broadway. He did it in the movie. He also did the. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Yiddish version on Broadway not long ago. Not, uh, not long not ago. Not long gone. Not long ago. The 2018 Tevia was uh, for the Yiddish production with Steven Skybell. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, but Topol and Zero, those are like the two biggest names that have ever played. Yes, they were the Tevia. ones who kept coming back. So, yes. I mean, we can talk. So the original Broadway cast had Zero, Mostel, and then the original West End cast, which opened three years later, was uh, Topol, who showed up in the film. Mm-hmm. And then Zero actually came back 10 years later for the Broadway revival. And then Topol showed up 20 years later for the London revival, then the Broadway revival, then the London revival again. And so they were just, I mean, like once you hit a certain age, it just like that is your role. That's your role forever. And so zero and and Topol, they were, I mean, that was it. That's what they were doing. (laughs) You know, if I had to play that one character my whole life, I'd be okay with it. It's like me and lady of the lake. I'm just waiting for that day. Yeah. You just get old enough. That and, and I want to be uh, Madame Marble for the rest of my life. Oh, that'd be badass. There are some names that like uh, people I just really like. So in 2004, the Broadway revival had uh, Laura Michelle Kelly as Hoddle. Oh. And then, of course, the 2015 Broadway revival had Jessica Vasquez as uh, Frumacera. Frumacera, Frumacera, Frumacera. Yeah. I love it. So She was a badass Frumacera. Yeah. Bette Midler, actually, she came into the show. Was she, she Goldie? Re- she replaced... Who did she replace? It was her Broadway debut as Rivka, one of the younger sisters, and then promoted to the role of Zytel. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Bette Midler made her Broadway debut in this show. That's so funny. I didn't know that. Good. Good. Good on her. Just was everywhere. Yeah. I bet you're ready to hear about this musical. Yeah, I'm like, I think everyone else is. Growing up as a latchkey kid in a small town in Maine, I always assumed I was safe. After all, unless it makes national news, murder isn't something people talk about around here. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Murder, She Told is a true crime podcast featuring crime stories, unsolved murders of missing persons, and baffling cold cases from my home state of Maine, New England, and small towns across America. 
These are the crime stories your hometown doesn't want to talk about. The mysteries buried deep in the newspaper archives of local American history. These are the homicides you've probably never heard of before. Through detailed storytelling and connections with family, friends, and investigators closest to the case, Murder, She Told will hit home for any true crime fan, whether you're from Maine or from away. Visit MurderSheTold.com to suggest your hometown crime story. And subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Kristen Seavey, and this is Murder, She Told. Fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, no? So in 1905, uh, Russia was under the rule of Nicholas II, who is the father of Anastasia. You Nick know what happens? Too? Nick Dos. So what happens? W- well, there what was an Junior uprising. Do? There was an uprising <laughs> in the in his uh, in the under the rule of Nicholas. There was an uprising, and his family was killed. Oh, you mean like how they talk about an Anastasia? Like they talk about an Anastasia. Oh my gosh, this is like. Who knew? Who knew? Hitler and Anastasia were... Totally connected. Yeah. Yeah. But in that time, Nicholas was pushing, the Tsar was pushing Jews out of the smaller areas of Russia, like pushing, 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 and they would send in officers to basically fuck shit up. They would destroy parts of their town so that they would have to leave. Cute, Junior. Very cute. What was wrong with you? What a jerk. He was a jerk. He just just has a small penis. Probably. (laughs) <laughs> so then we get in the, we get into the prologue, the song Tradition. So you, it opens on the fiddler doing his doo do 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 Tradition 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 Octavius talking about his life, and he's explaining the role of God's law in providing balance in the villagers' lives. He describes the inner circle of the community and the larger circle in the song, Tradition. 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 Throw your hands up in the air. Tradition. Tradition. So this is the the song where he's talking about the the mothers and the wives and the, the sons and the daughters and what their roles are in life. Not the pets. Uh, not the pets, though. In, actually, it doesn't include the pets. You're right. Yeah, like but it does. Pets. It does include the constable, the priest, and the countless other authority figures. Yikes. And he explains, we don't bother them, and so far, they don't bother us, dot, 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 to be continued. Oh. Right. Because remember like, me telling you, they're like pushing people out. They're pushing the Jews like out. we're at the beginning of the show. Like, at the beginning of the show, they are (laughs) foreshadowing some shit. He ends by insisting that without their traditions, he and the other villagers would find their lives as shaky as a fiddler on the roof. So not balanced. I was also about to say boring. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then we get into... Three of Tevia's daughters are talking together. So in, in the original stories... 
Tevia has seven daughters. They got rid of two of them, and they don't really talk about. They got rid of two. Of them. <laughs> they don't really talk about the two that are in the show. They're named, but I nobody remembers their names. I think they like are the older. They're like, oh, they've already left. No, no, they're the younger ones. Oh, they're little babies running around on stage. There, uh. there are two younger girls that are cast as the um, his other two daughters, but they don't really. They're blocking super, so easy. Yeah, they don't really name them. They're in a couple of scenes and they don't have lines, but they do get to dance and sing and stuff. There you go. So three of Tevia's daughters, Seidel, Hoddle, and Hava, wonder if the matchmaker will ever find them the men of their dreams in the song, Matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find, catch me a catch. Night after night in the dark, I'm alone, so find me a match. Oh. This was my favorite song. I loved it. Yeah, it's the second. It's like everyone knows a song and you get to it literally minutes into the show. Oh, yeah. It's great. Here we go. It's like, hey, here we are. And Zydel actually in the middle of the song tries to scare the girls. So at first, Hoddle and Hover are over there dreaming. Oh, my God. Maybe he'll be cute. Maybe he'll be like young and he'll be rich and everything. And, and he will be and old. Zydel's like, hey, you're poor. So guess what you get? You get an old abusive man. Hoddle. But he's a nice man, a good catch. True, true. And the girls, the other girls are like, oh my God. Yeah, really. She's like, she sings about he'll, and if you're lucky or you keep quiet, he won't beat you every night. It's like really crazy, really, really crazy (laughs) lyrics. Yeah. She talks to the girls this way because Zydel herself is already in love with a man who she has not been matched with. It's her best friend from childhood, the Taylor Mottle. M-O-T-E-L. And Taylors don't have a lot of money. Taylors are also poor. And Zydel's yeah. also the oldest. And Zydel's the oldest. She's so. 19 years old. Oh, she's basically dead at this point. <laughs> Yikes, that's so old. But Model is also, not only is he poor and young, but he's also very shy. He hasn't asked Tevia for his daughter's hand in marriage. Tevia has no idea they're into each other. So the matchmaker, mm-hmm. Yenta, shows up to tell Goldie, the mother of the three girls, that she has selected the butcher, Laser Wolf, as a match for Seidel. Kind of has a kick-ass name. Right? My name's Laser. Laser Wolf. Laser Wolf. It's a really kick-ass name for a not-so-kick-ass guy. Yeah. So Laser Wolf is set to marry Zydel, or he's he's put in an offer to marry Zydel, but Laser is an he's an older man. He's usually cast as a fairly heavy set dude. He's but he's rich and he's a he's a butcher. The butchers the make a lot butcher. of money. Yeah, so that would be a really good match for them and their family. Tevia reflects on how much he wishes he had a small fortune. He doesn't know anything about what's happening right now. With he's just out there working with the cows. But <laughs> while oh, yeah, Yenta's he's talking, a dairy man. Yeah, he's. He's, he's a, a milk man. man. He's a milkman. He's out there working with the cows while Yenta's talking with um, Goldie about the the match. And he's just like, oh, God, I wish I had some money. Don't we all? Like, I think I sing this song every day. <laughs> yeah. And in the song. Every time I get a check. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> if I were a rich man. If I were a rich man. All day long I'd bitty bitty bum if I were a wealthy man. 
I love that, like, because it's we all want to go like, which is exactly how it's sung. He just kind of like rolls it off the tongue. Yeah, it's it's just very like it's a it's a really fun song. He's just having a good time with his cows out there, you know, jumping around and tipping them, tipping them over, dancing with them. It's it's a you know it's a this is the bop. This is the bop of a song. That's why Gwen Stefani took it. I know, right? So, meanwhile, a group of villagers, including an outsider. Oh, yikes. Outsider. Perchik. <laughs> outsider, 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 outsider. Outsider. His name's Perchik. Perchik. He approaches, oh, I'm sorry, approaches him with news of a violent pogrom in a nearby village. So, like, like I was saying, the Tsar was pushing Jews out. So, that's what that is, is a pogrom, I it's, believe. That's like the, a siege of the yeah. city. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all of the townspeople are like, you're crazy, Perchik. We don't know you. You're an outsider. Perchik. Perchik. You're and, like Paul Revere. Like, who's that? <laughs> and Perchik is like, you know, he's using the the Torah and talking about the Torah to refute all of the bad stuff that's happening in the world. And so Tevia sees this as an opportunity. He's like, hey, Perchik, come to dinner with me. You're a young revolutionary student. Come home for the Sabbath um, with me and you can instruct my daughters. You can teach my younger daughters about the Torah. And so, uh, goes home with Tevia. What a nice, what a nice man Tevia is. Oh yes. He's no, no, uh, plotting or scheming. Nope. No, he's not plotting or scheming. He's just like, Oh, my daughters, my younger daughters need an instructor. These are the two little girls. That's all they're good for is, is Perchik comes home to teach them. Yes. Basically. So model, in the next scene, the tailor attempts at Sabbath dinner to ask Tevia for Zeidel's hand in marriage, but he gets tongue-tied, bleh, 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 and he ends up not asking because he's like, Tevia, I have something to ask you. And Tevia's like, what is it? And he's like, well, da, 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 what, what buttons what, do what, you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And, and he's like, never mind. Oh, yeah. And he goes and sits down at the Sabbath uh, table. And his so, little glasses, he adjusts them. I always imagine, does. yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like little round little, glasses. Little model. He's so cute. So they're, they're welcoming their new guests and putting out, you know, plates and stuff for Perchik and yes. Seidel and everybody and model and everybody's at the table for the Sabbath prayer, which is the next song, Sabbath prayer. May the Lord protect and defend you. May he always shield you from shame. May you come to be in Israel a And this is something that I didn't know because I was not raised in a Jewish family, but I married into one. I no longer am in that family, but I married into a Jewish family. And so the first time they did the Sabbath prayer and Sabbath dinner, mm-hmm. my ex-mother-in-law put the, um, she put a cloth on her head to cover her head. Yes. And every, all the boys, of course, had their, of course, had, of course. Uh, had their, their yarmulkes on their head. And I was like, oh my God, it's just like in filler. And they're they're lighting the candles and they're they're saying the Barukatad and I the prayer and um, there's and like waving little the flames yeah and waving waving around the flames I was like oh my god this is just like in Fiddler <gasps> I knew stuff before I knew stuff I had no idea what Sabbath was but it's uh, the Sabbath when the sun goes down on Friday until uh, until the sun comes back up on Saturday you're not allowed to touch 
electricity as as if you're a very you can't turn anything on right yeah. as a, a hardcore practicing Jewish person you're you're not supposed to uh, I mean a lot of people don't celebrate that anymore I, like they still celebrate the tradition of the Sabbath and you have family time dinner time with your family mm-hmm. and you say prayers and you're thankful for life basically and you can't do work but you're not supposed to do work mm-hmm. yeah 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 so um, no checking your emails. I, and I, I heard stories about families, Jewish families in New York, some that were practicing, like really hardcore practicing that wouldn't turn on electricity. They'd have their neighbors come over and turn it on for them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was, I was Which, like, what? Also, that like, point, you, isn't can't, that you can't text them. Can't text them. You have to go over and ask them to come turn your lights on for you. Yeah. I'm like, cool. I feel like that's very. Because the Jewish population in New York is larger than what we have here in Houston. I mean, down the street, I literally have a Mormon church. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. live on a street of churches. Like we don't, we don't have that. We don't have that surrounding community of uh, Judaism, right? So there is it's, in it's, it is in Bel Air, but like yeah. up here, like we're. I've never lived in a place yeah. where like everyone has been. Jewish around me. Right. I, I haven't either. And so I'm like, but I do remember whenever I go to New York, it's very normal that yeah. that is what, uh, yeah, no, it makes total sense. It like does. I would be shocked if you didn't ask me to turn on your lights. Right. I just, the first time I heard that, I was like, wait, why? But why? But I felt why? like, I felt like Olaf. Anyway. <laughs> um, I, I'll understand when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> so after the Sabbath, after they're, they're allowed to go back and do work, Tevia is told by his wife, hey, um, Laser needs to talk to you, but she doesn't tell him why. Oh. And so Tevia's like, he probably wants my cow. So he goes to Laser Wolf and sets up a meeting. Milky White. Milky White. He, you can't have Milky White. Can I have him back? Um, So Tevia goes to meet Laser Wolf at this bar thinking that Laser wants a cow from him. And so he's... (laughs) <laughs> not thinking that he's trying to marry his daughter. So this like really funny conversation back and forth <laughs> ensues. Laser's like, I just, I really want to talk to you. I'm really nervous about this. He's like, it's a cow. No, he's like, why? <laughs> she's, she's just fat old thing in the back. <laughs> and Laser's just like, how dare you talk about this woman? She's, she's beautiful. He's like, woman, what are you, what are you talking, what are you about? talking about? And so the, uh, it's after very, after this very funny mishap, they they come to terms of the marriage between Seidel and Laser, and they shake on it, and they a, a very boisterous celebration ensues involving the villagers and the Russians and everybody who's at this tavern in the song L'Chaim. To life, to life, L'Chaim. L'Chaim, L'Chaim, to life. Here's to the father I try to be. Here's to my bride to be. Drink L'Chaim to life, to life, L'Chaim. To life, to life, L'Chaim. That was like... to life. That was my first uh, Yiddish word that I learned. Isn't it a great word? L'Chaim. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's great. Also, you said boisterous, and that was what the I word mean? I misspelled in my first spelling bee. I love it. Invitation was mine. I know. So Tevia is drunk. He's very, very drunk after all this celebration in the tavern. There's so much life. So much. He had a lot of life that night. A lot of L'chaim. So Tevia is staggering home, and he meets the constable 
who Ooh. warns him. So this is what you were saying earlier, that the constables and the... Actually nice. ...are nice in this. So Tavia staggers home, and he meets the constable, who warns him that a demonstration is going to be planned against the Jews of Anatevka. And in his inebriation, Tevya sees this fiddler again, like the same fiddler we saw in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. who plays his violin as Tevya dances his way home. Like he was just told the Jews are about to be pushed out of Anatevka. You should probably prep for that. And he's like, okay. And just kind of stumbles home following this fiddler. <laughs> I feel like the fiddler is a bad trip on Tevya's part. Like so he had too. some bad milk. And some real and bad it milk. just like because I don't like I'm. It's never really clear if other people can see the fiddler in right. the show. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. It's it's strange. But the next morning, after Perchik has just taught a lesson to the two younger sisters, Tevia's second daughter, Hoddle, is the character I played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is the uh, intelligent and spirited one. Intelligent and spirited one. It sounds a lot, half like Chelsea. It's very much like me. It's exactly <laughs> like me. So she actually ends up mocking Perchick's lesson. She interprets it as a very Marxist interpretation of the Bible story of the Torah. Huh. Yeah. So she's like, that's not correct. <laughs> shows what you know. Shows, ha, shows what you know. Um, Perchik in turns criticizes her for hanging on to the old traditions of Judaism, noting that the world is changing and you gotta change with it, sister. To illustrate this, he dances with her, defying the prohibition against opposite sexes dancing together. <gasps> I know, and the two begin to fall in love. Aww. Funny story. In this scene, we had a, a well on stage. Naturally. And exactly. And I went over to put the bucket onto the the string and lower it into the well, mm-hmm. which is just a tall, you know, like piece of foam. Yeah. And the bucket fell off of the string, but I had to have it for my exit. Like it needed to be there because they were going to pick up the well and move. I mean, it could have been fixed, but yeah. in my dumbass state of being a new actress, I reached in and all the way over to try to get, it's a very tall well. Yeah. And my ass was like up in the air and he, he ad-libbed until I got it back on and he's like telling his lines were like, Staring at my ass while I got it. <laughs> this was hilarious. I had some good times with this show, but I was also dating this guy who was also in the show. He was in the chorus. And the guy playing Perchik was like very handsome. Oh. And so my boyfriend was very upset. That yeah, Perchik was staring. But well, other things happened I'll tell you about oh. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea had, I feel like can we do like a one more story where Chelsea like <laughs> For our patrons, where you just Absolutely. tell us all the all the tea and all the tea deets of your oh, dark life. Mm, it was it's not that dark. <laughs> it was just like we had to ad lib, we had to improvise on stage until Tevia got on, and the scene called for some romantic stuff. So anyway, <laughs> Chelsea's so, like, "You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome." So Tevia, in the next scene, appears to tell Seidel about her engagement to Laser Wolf, thinking that she'll be excited because Laser has a lot of money. Ooh, money. And Goldie rejoices, but after Goldie leaves, Model, who was in the room, tells Tevya that he and Zeidel gave each other a vow, a pledge to marry. And it's, he's like, I'm sorry, what? 
I'm just imagining like, like an unveiling a model who's like, uh, uh, in the back. He finally gets the balls to say something. And, and Tavia's like, no, you can't marry her. What do you mean a pledge to marry? I'm the father. The tradition is that I set up the marriage. And after the, after pleas from model and Seidel and a struggle with himself in Tevia's monologue, Tevia agrees to their marriage. So Tevia breaks the fourth wall a lot. He talks to the audience. He talks to God. And then they get back into the show, which is a lot like the original stories, too. So he finally says, yeah, okay. But he starts off in his monologue, a monologue like, on the one hand, it's tradition. On the other hand... It's money. It's money. And on the other da, 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 da. hand... There's like three hands here. Yeah. Um, she's in love with him. Okay. And lets them get married. He leaves Model and Seidel to rejoice in the song... Miracle of Miracles. God has made a man to die. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. God took a tailor by the hand, turned him around, and miracle of miracles led him to the promised land. Which is so cute. It's models little wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles. I was like, it's so cute. Yeah, it's just... uh, it's models just, boring song. It's not boring. It's adorable. And if you have a really, really long-legged, nerdy-ass model, you can make this song really funny, too. I mean, most models are long-legged. Are long-legged thank, models. Thank you. That was a D to T joke. I don't get it. Models oh my God. have long legs. <sighs> <sighs> so this little moment that Tevia has before Miracle of Miracles. That joke out. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put it in there. This is his first struggle with coming to terms with the changing world and letting women decide who they want to friggin' marry. Mm. So this is his first struggle bus what is here. That? What about that? What about that? Catch me outside. How about that? Tevia, before he walks off, before Model sings Wonder of Wonder, Miracle of Miracles, Tevia is actually really afraid of his wife. He realizes, oh, my God, I have to tell Goldie. Shit. Shit. And how do I do that? How do I do that? Goldie just wants nice things. He's really, she does. She's Goldie. She's got to have some Goldie. So he's really worried about telling his wife, and he's worried about what the town is going to think and the shame that's going to come with rejecting Laser Wolf after telling him that he could marry her. So he decides to make up this crazy, wild nightmare about la- about Laser Wolf's late wife, Frumacera, and all of these other ancestors coming to visit, especially uh, Grandma Zeidel, who Zeidel is named for. So Grandma Zeidel says, a blessing on your head, mazel tov, mazel tov, to see a daughter wed, mazel tov, and then says, you're going to marry the tailor. And so he's telling this in the, in the song, The Dream. In the beginning, I dreamt that we were having a celebration of some kind. Everybody we knew was there. Musicians, too. Suddenly, in comes your grandmother Zeitel. May she rest in peace. We made a bargain, Grandma, with the butcher laser wolf. And in this song, Goldie is like, okay, so Grandma's idol was there. She must be confused. It's not the tailor. She's going to marry Laser Wolf. 
And Goldie's like, I'm going to interpret this dream. It's okay. It's okay. And then he brings up Frumacera, who is Laser Wolf's late wife, who is now dead in the ground. And she's like <laughs> this really crazy, screaming, ghostly looking thing. And Whoa. she's wearing these pearls. Yeah. Whoa. This is the Jessica Voss yeah. character. She's wearing these pearls and she's like, you can't have my pearls, pearls, pearls. And she's really Up mad. on the stilts. Up on the stilts. Yeah. And they basically they have her on this big, tall, what's it called? A cherry staircase picker? or cherry oh. picker. Ours was a staircase covered in shit. So you just move <laughs> her around the stage, you know, and she's scary and ghostly. So... Uh, it's it's a really freaking awesome scene. And Goldie, at the end of the spooky description... Spooky Mormon hell dream spooky, is what it sounds it like. It is. Yeah. It's spooky Mormon hell dream, but with, you know, Frumacera. Frumacera, <laughs> Frumacera. And Goldie is so horrified at this dream that she insists that Grandma Seidel came to warn them uh, that she needs to marry the tailor and not Laser Wolf's wife. So... Tevia at the end of the scene, he's like, I just did this. I just convinced my so wife. So did he lie? He did. He lied. Big time. Big Tevia. Time. Tevia. For the greater good. For the greater good. Yeah. You would have been for a paper his, ever For college. his daughter's happiness. So it's worth it. So uh, Goldie's like, nope, she cannot marry Laser Wolf. My grandma said no. Frumacera is going to haunt us. So absolutely not. She's going to marry the tailor. Matol. Matol. So the, the villagers are now in the next scene, gossiping in the street <laughs> about the mix-up in Zidal's wedding <laughs> plans. And then Hava, the youngest sister, enters a model's tailor shop. As she enters, a group of Russians on the street start to taunt her. Fiedka, a little Russian youth, not too youthful, he's like maybe 16, insists that they stop taunting her. And after Aww. they leave, Fiedka allows Hava into the shop. He tries to speak with her, but leaves quickly when Model enters. Model places a wedding hat on his head. It's so cute. And then they go into the wedding. And the musicians lead us into the wedding. The company sings the song, Sunrise, Sunset. Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset. Swiftly flow the days. Seedlings turn over night to sunflowers. Blossom even as we gaze. As everybody is taking their places in the traditional Jewish ceremony with the, uh, they're, they're under a, a, canopy i forget what it's called but it's it's this beautiful portion of a ceremony where the bride and the groom they're underneath the canopy that family members are holding up and it represents your future home together chopa. Hopa, the chopa, chopa. the chopa, yeah so we we had one we had a chopa and it was it was you know, like a traditional jewish ceremony but combined with a couple of other things but. i think i like start your wedding photos did you time. oh yeah Oh, yeah. Because you looked really cute. I think you had, like, a flower in your hair, maybe? No. It was, like, very vintage though. Yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah, I looked great. I looked really cute. You were super cute. I was really cute. I am no longer married, but that wedding was really cool. Like, I planned it all myself. I stressed about it for months. That's where the forehead lines came from. That's where the that's where all of the gray and hairs. The back pain. <laughs> yep, back pain, gray hairs. It was a great wedding, and it was it was really cool because we... 
I, I did research and I, of course I couldn't remember what a chuppah was, but yeah, I did side. research and put it in a program for, for the wedding itself Yeah, and presented it to my non-Jewish family. And I'm like, here you go. This is what this means. And you'll see in, if you go watch Fiddler on the Roof, she circles around him seven times Yeah, and there are actually different family members that, that get up, or you can have one person get up and read different, um, promises to you or different well wishes to you. And it's, it's actually a written out piece from, I think it's in the Torah. They, they, they read to you as well wishings to the bride and groom. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a whole thing. It's a really cool ceremony. There's a lot of significance in the different traditions that they have within this ceremony. Break the cup. Yeah. And then they break the glass. And as soon as, as soon as he steps on the glass at the end, everybody you know, throws their hands up in the air and they say, Mazel, Mazel tov. Tov. Yeah, Mazel tov. And as soon as that happens, the ceremony of the the celebration begins. So we have the after party. With the bottle dance. With the bottle dancers. So my boyfriend at the time was a bottle dancer in this, and it, he was like, my legs hurt. It re- it's really bad. It's really bad. Do they use magnets? Sometimes magnets. So the, the men are all wearing these, these big hats, yeah. and sometimes they have magnets, but sometimes it's just sand weighted down, and uh, you're just supposed to be good at balancing. So it took months of practice and preparation. This... This is actually, this show is how I got to know who Jessica Vosk was mm. because her ex boyfriend, Caesar, was choreographing it. Oh, okay. I yeah. knew you knew some, there was a connection there. Yeah. He, uh, he choreographed the, the bottle dance. He choreographed all of it. But yeah, he was, he's great. When we were working with the kids, we, they used magnets on theirs mm-hmm. for some theater magic. Yeah. I know though, Sarah Sneesby here in Houston, Texas, yeah. a choreographer. She, I went and saw her production of this that she choreographed at high school and she was so proud they did not use anything to attach the battles to those hats. They did it 100% authentically. Oh, my God. That's yeah. really impressive. Right. Like, our professional-ish dancers couldn't do it. We mm-hmm. had sand weighting it down. But no, her cool. her actors, 100%. Ugh. It was so That's cool. impressive as hell. And they're, they're getting down. Like, mm-hmm. get down. They're getting down to <laughs> down. the floor. And they're, they're, like, they're bent down on their knees but they're, nothing's touching the floor. Their arms are out. They're balancing, and you have to have super core strength, and then your leg comes out. So imagine your right leg. If you've never seen the bottle dance, go look it up. Your right leg comes out, hits the ground on the left side in front of you, and then you drag it across to the right and bring it right back underneath you, and then you do that with the left foot going out to the opposite side, dragging around back to the left. It's insane. It's the ultimate squat. It's the ultimate squat, and it's really, really hella impressive when they can do it. So this uh, bottle dance is just like a huge fun place. But then it kind of winds down because Laser <laughs> Wolf arrives. Winds down. Winds down. Laser bottles. Yeah. Okay. Nah. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Laser arrives and gives a fine gift to the new couple. But he's, mm. you can tell he's obviously salty about it. Um, 
why you ask? Well, <laughs> he was supposed he was to be married. Promise one thing, and yeah, then, and he didn't get it. But a little salty, but at least like it was a good gesture. Them, he brought them, I think, chickens. So, which Aww. was a really nice gift. But yeah. an argument arises between Laser Wolf and Tevia, and they start, you know, yelling at each other over the broken agreement. But Perchik ends this little tiff by breaking another tradition. <laughs> he crosses the barrier. So there's a rope down the middle of the stage where the men stay separated from the women. Mm. And he crosses it. He's like, this is stupid. And grabs Tevia's, Tevia's daughter, Hoddle, and starts to dance with her. <gasps> I know. And they're all like, whoa, what the F? So this is another break of tradition. There's no buffer. Right? And the celebration ends abruptly, though. So everybody starts dancing together, actually. The men and the women start dancing together, which is cool. Yeah. They're all breaking tradition. When a group of Russians rides into the village to bef- to perform the demonstration. Oh. Uh-huh. They what start, is the demonstration of? They go and destroy things. They <gasps> demonstrate how destructive they can be. Oh, my God. I know. And then Perchik uh, fights with a Russian and is hit with a club over the head. And the constable bows to Tevya and says, I'm genuinely sorry. You understand. Which, yikes. But it's like he's like, I can't, I can't not do what the czar tells me to do. So Tevia replies with courtesy. Yeah, of course. Mock courtesy. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Dick. And the family begins to clean up the destruction. And that's the end of Act One. <sighs> that's a lot. Kenzie? Whoops. What? I think we're in the wrong podcast, Kate. What? How do you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not our audience. Well, I mean, they could be if they went over and listened to us on the I Can't Stop Thinking About podcast. You mean the podcast about all the things we can't stop thinking about, like Dragon Age, Steven Spielberg, Avatar The Last Airbender, and much, much more? I mean, I wouldn't have said it like it was an infomercial, but yeah, that one. It is available on all platforms, after all. That is very convenient. Well, we should, uh, probably get back to our own show, shouldn't we? Probably. It was nice to meet you all anyway. Yeah, cheers. You know, we would have been there already if you just asked for directions like I told you to. Oh my god, what are you, my mom? Act two! Let's hope it's better than the ending of act one! Oh yeah, because everyone just, they didn't die, but they... There was a demonstration. Yeah, they have to clean up all the shit that the Russians just destroyed. Which uh, would kill me. I'd be like, I don't want to clean it up. I don't want to clean it up. Dang it. (laughs) So during the prologue in Act 2, Tevia chats with God about the recent events. And he's like, this sucks. Why did you do that? why, why, Why did you do that? Why don't you make things easy for us, basically? So months later... After the prologue, uh, we're coming back into the show, and it's months after this demonstration. Perchik tells Hoddle that he needs to return to Kiev to work for the revolution, and he proposes to her. <gasps> Perchik has just proposed marriage to Hoddle, and he admits he loves her, and she says she loves him, and he's like, I'm going to go to Kiev for this revolution, and I'll send word um, for you to come join me. Let's get married in Kiev. Cute. And she agrees. In the song, and now I have everything. Simple and clear. I have something that I would die for, someone that I can live for too. Yes, now 
I have everything. Aww, because now she's like, we're proposed to together. We're proposed. We're, pr- we're, we're, we're promised. Fianced. We're fianced. Financed. We're financed. So Tevya, <laughs> Tevya enters into the scene right at the end of the song, and they tell him, hey, we're engaged. And he's Surprise. like, hold up a second. He's like, hoddle <laughs> up. Hoddle up here. <laughs> He's appalled that they are flouting tradition. They're just they're just overlooking the tradition of asking first, asking the father by making their own damn match, especially as Perchik is about to leave. So he's going to lose his daughter if she goes and marries this guy, mm-hmm. right? So he forbids the marriage, and Perchik and Hoddle inform him that they don't seek his permission, just his blessing. That's not what we wanted. Yeah, we're not asking, we're telling, Oof. basically. And after a little bit of soul searching, in the in Tevia's, it's called Tevia's rebuttal, he's talking to himself again, Tevia relents, the world is changing and he must change with it. And he comes out of this little trance of talking to God and talking to himself and talking to the audience. Who are you talking to? No, everybody freezes on stage. There's like a little bloop. Yeah. Then we all freeze on stage. Sorry, I'm, parod- I'm parodying this you, in my I know brain. You are. <laughs> and he informs the young couple that he gives his blessing and his permission. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally. I'm still, you still have to you take my permission. Have I'm, I'm permission. hanging on to this. Yeah. <laughs> so they leave. They're excited. Yay. And he asks Goldie, he tells her what happened. And he's like, do you think you would still want to? be with me if our marriage hadn't been arranged they think on their their own marriage their arranged marriage for 25 years she's cleaned for him and he asks her a very simple question do you love me in the song do you love me do you love me do i what do you In this song, it's really sweet because she's kind of just, she's like, shut up. <laughs> Love, he says, it's it's the new style. And Tevia asks Goldie, despite their own arranged marriage, after, you know, you know like after all these years, do you, do you think you might love me? Because this is new. I, I don't know what this love thing is. And she's like, she's dismiss, dismissing him as, as foolish. And she eventually admits, she's like, you know, I've washed your underwear and socks and cooked for you, cleaned for you, and (laughs) shared a bed with you for 25 years. If after 25 years of struggling and living together, that's not love. She's like, you have to ask if that's not love, then what is? I guess I do. Yeah, I guess I love you. And (laughs) she's like, yeah, I guess that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. So cleaning for people's love. She's like, yeah, I love you. Okay. Well, they've struggled. But also kind of like, hmm. yikes. Well, I mean, marriage is nothing but a, a series of self self sacrifice. Seriously, like I don't know if that's what love is, but marriage is that. And after twenty five years together, she's got some affection for him. So yeah, she loves him too. Aww, she she loves him as well as is married to him. Okay. So on a village street, Yenta tells Zaitel that she has just seen Hava with Fiedka. And remember, Fiedka <gasps> is that young Russian boy Ooh. that we're not supposed to talk and to. Hava, she's she's like fifteen. Little girl. She's she's a little girl. A little book little book lover. Little 
little, little, bit little shy. She's shy. She's a dancer. She likes to dance. We'll find out why in a second. And the news that Yenta has gleaned from a letter from Perchik becomes gossip for the town. So what does it say in this in this little letter? We find out in the song The Rumor. Kiev. <gasps> no. Yes. Shade. Shade. Wait till I tell you. Remember Perchik, that crazy student? Remember at the wedding? He danced with Tedia's huddle. Well, I just heard that huddle's been arrested in Kiev. No! Terrible, terrible! terrible. Mirana! So the rumor is that Perchik has been arrested and exiled to Serbia. <laughs> Yay, Serbia! Yay, Frozen Yay, Tundra! Exile. It says this song, the 2004 revival featured a song for Yenta and some women of the village. Uh-huh. Titled Topsy Turvy, discussing disappearing role of Matt Weeper in society. Yeah. The number replaced the rumor I just heard. Really? Yes. Yeah, so in the revival, Topsy-turvy. it became Topsy Turvy. And in, in they. I can't remember what we did. We're nodding more to the change in religion as opposed to like, oh my gosh, guess what just happened? Yeah. Okay. 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 I think maybe we had Topsy Turvy in ours, but. Okay, I don't remember. I think it's been I think so the long. junior either they cut the song or it was topsy turvy. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing this and thinking um, the Hunchback in Notre Dame. Oh, topsy turvy, yeah. Yes. So Tevia takes Hoddle to the railroad station, and this is the song that I say read. She's <laughs> going to Serbia, where Perchik has been arrested, and she's going to go be with him, get married, and be with this man that she loves in the song "Far from the Home I Love." Once I was happily content. To be as I was, where I was, close to the people who are close to me, here in the home I love. Far from the home I love. No. Is that how it goes? Far from the home I love. I was doing the end part. Here I optioned da, up. Da, da, yeah, okay, okay, I guess so. Yes, I was optioning here up. <laughs> in, here with my love. So she's like, yeah, I, I have to, you know, I'm going to this land. I'm going to be so far away, far from the home I love, from you, from my parents, from my sisters. But, and that's the very end. Yet, here with my love, I'm home. Oh, it's just so sad. It's so sad. She's like, he's my home now. Sorry, you're not my home anymore. Oh, huddle. It's so sad. Huddle, 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 huddle. So they say their their teary, heartfelt goodbyes, and she gets on the train. To go to, to, go to Siberia. Siberia. To Siberia. Serbia. It's Serbia? Siberia. Serbia? Serbia? S-I-B-E-R-A. Siberia. 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 Suburbia. That's the joke. I hate going there. Oh, my God. Anyway, so... The villagers are once again gossiping about... Gossiping. Gossiping. Not gospeling, but gossiping. Gossiping. Basically the same thing, right? No. Sure. Sure. They're gossiping about the new arrival at Model and Zeidel's shop. It's a new sewing machine. So the Times... Uh, who's like, is it a times, baby? Well, it is a baby too. They also okay. have a baby. Um, <laughs> but it's his new sewing machine. That's his new baby. He's got this like 
really cool new sewing machine that he can afford. It's a singer. And it's a mm. singer. Yeah. Oh, is I don't it really? Know. I don't I'm know what it is. But making it's, up jokes. No, it's, it's whatever they had available to them in 1908 or so, something. Yeah. I guess it would be 08-ish now. 08-ish. So they also have a baby. And so again, <laughs> too. times is changing, new technology, yada, yada, yada. And model now has, and Zydel have a baby too. Fiedka and Hava speak outside the shop. She promises to speak to Tevya about their love for each other. So Fiedka and Hava, they're in love. <gasps> Fiedka, there's something very important about him. Um, he's Russian. He's Russian, but also he's not, not Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. Tevia appears, and Hava tries to talk to him about Fiedka. Again, Tevia reaches deep into his soul. Everybody freezes on stage. And he's like, absolutely not, because marriage outside of the Jewish faith is just a line he will not cross. Tevia refuses their love, <gasps> refuses for them oh, to get married. This is the first time he's refused. Yeah. Yep, first time. And she's like, but you made exceptions for, for Zeidel and for Hoddle. He's like, they married in the tradition of, of marrying another Jew. And that is really looked down upon. If you marry outside of the religion, you are, you are dead. You are dead in, in this time. In, in, the, in this time. Well, <laughs> it's not like it's looked down upon now, obviously, but um, it, it's not like it, it. There is concern that the tra- the tradition of the the heritage won't be carried on mm-hmm. if you married somebody outside of the Jewish tradition. So it is still a concern within Jewish tradition to, the, to this mm-hmm. day, but it's not like you're dead to the family anymore. Yeah. Not for a good chunk of people in, in the, the United the States vast now. The majority the that vast we hear about. The majority, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Tevia, uh, he just can't come to terms with it. And he says, nope, refuses to even listen to her and forbids her to ever speak to Fiedka ever again. So in the next scene, Tevia returns home to learn from Goldie that Hava and Fiedka have been married by a priest. <gasps> Yikes, by a priest? Not a rabbi. So his religion, not hers. First of all, and she defied him, and she married outside of the the religion. (gasps) So Tevya says that Hava is dead to them. Yikes. Yikes. Oh, he sings of his love for Hava in this next song, Little Bird slash Hava Sequence. And I'm not sure if this is something they did on Broadway or if it was just our production. I'm sure it's not just our production, but they had a, a psych come down and it was backlit with Hava doing a ballet dance in the background while he's thinking of her uh, as a younger girl and these memories of her dancing and singing about her being a little bird. It was a very sweet hmm. moment. We had a, a ballet dancer back there doing the move. She's obviously taller than our Hava, but it's fine. When it comes to light, you can, yeah, you can, you can do, do whatever you want. Yeah. So Hava appears at the end of this song to ask for his acceptance and he just can't allow it. And she's left on stage basically crying and as she exits, crying her little eyes out, uh, these unseen voices start singing tradition. Again. Tradition. Tradition. So she's, she's like, she's been fucked by the tradition at this point. Yenta is trying to fix up Tevia's remaining daughters, those two little girls, with boys as their future husbands. These little mm, boys. Yikes he's like reverting. Ugh. 
So the constable then brings news that everyone in the town has to sell their houses and household goods and leave Anatevka in three days. What the <sighs> F? As the villagers think on their future, they sing fondly of the village that they're leaving in the song Anatevka. The family is packing the wagon, like straight up, they have a wagon. It's a wagon. It's a wagon. The family is packing the wagon to leave. Zidal and Model are staying in uh, Warsaw until they have enough money to go to America. Hodel and Perchik are still in Siberia. Hava appears with Fiedka. Tevya refuses to acknowledge her as they're packing up their things to go. And Hava explains that they're also leaving because they cannot stay among people who can do such awful things to others. They are going to Krakow. And Seidel says goodbye to them. She breaks the family curse here. Mm-hmm. She's, she's like, they're not dead. She says, she says goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. And Tevya prompts Seidel to add, God be with you. So he talks to his daughter but doesn't look at her. And Hava promises Goldie that she'll write to her in America. Aww. I know. Hava and Fiedka leave. Final goodbyes are said as Tevya begins pulling the wagon. And other villagers villagers join in the circle, including the fiddler. Tevya beckons the fiddler to follow him. The fiddler tucks his fiddle under his arm and follows the group upstage as the curtain falls. said that you know that circling around they circle the stage with the villagers there's a lot of that in the song tradition but jerome robbins was so entranced with the idea of circles in tradition and you know like mm-hmm. weddings and rings you know circle and circle, 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 circle 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 there's a lot of circling in this so and there's you know like the traditional jewish uh uh, dance at a wedding. Mm-hmm. It's a big it's a circle. circle. It's a big circle. It's a circle of life here, basically. Circle, circle, circle. As they exit in a circle. So anyway, that's Fiddler on the Roof. Da 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 da. Boo. Hi, I'm. That's a downer. It's a downer of a show. We just ended our month with a downer. We did, but it's such a good show. If you've not watched the movie, go watch it. You may not totally get it, but it's it's a really good movie. And the soundtrack from the movie is definitely better than the original Broadway cast. Oh, I was listening to the revival, I guess. Topol, though. It's in the movie. I'd be interested. I heard a couple of the songs that are in the the completely Yiddish revival. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's just Hebrew and Yiddish. They're just so pretty. Mm-hmm. I I can't understand any of it, but I I can pick up a couple of words like you know Mazel Tov and Luchayim because of Fiddler on the Roof. So thanks Fiddler for exposing us all to a little bit of Judaism here and Jewish traditions and the growth and. Uh, 
breaking away from some said traditions, but as they left little Anatevka, they brought their own traditions with them and over into different places of the world. It's really beautiful. Go ahead, Emily. You have you have something to say. I have a joke. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, just like it's stupid. I was like, just like yogurt, they're all being cultured. We're all yogurt right now. We're all yogurt. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I love this musical. I think it's, I, I wasn't excited to be in it. And then I was in it and I was like, I have been cultured like yogurt, like yogurt, like yogurt. <laughs> I have been cultured now. I understand a little bit more of the traditions and why they're important to that faith. And so it was interesting. Yeah. There weren't a lot of opportunities for jokes in this musical. So I just kind of held, held on you. to them. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> you know who I want to hold on to? Our patrons. Our patrons. Oh, I love our patrons. Uh, do you like that? That was a good, one. A good one. That was good. We would like to thank our patrons, Allison, Noah, Brandon, Mama Hardite, Mama Keen, and Victoria. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. We need more patrons. If you would like to become a patron, you can join them at patreon.com slash wines and dolls. We do fun things. You'll hear Chelsea's One More Story there. If you would like to find any additional information on Wines and Dolls, you can find it at winesanddolls.com. And you can support us in other ways by clicking subscribe anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And this has been And that too. If you have heard of Kimberly Faye Greenberg here on several previous episodes, then you know that she is known for playing Fanny Bryce. And if you have loved these interviews or want to go beyond the funny girl story, then you must check out Fabulous Fanny Bryce, Kimberly's show that's now streaming. Fabulous Fanny Bryce brings Broadway-style theatrical entertainment and Fanny Bryce direct to your home in this live stream classic evening of musical theater that was taped in front of a live audience pre-COVID. Fabulous Fanny Bryce has been named one of the best things to stream now by American Theater Magazine and Time Out New York and one of the top 10 filmed live musicals to stream in 2020 by filmedlivemusicals.com. In Fabulous Fanny Bryce, enjoy classic show tunes, good old-fashioned fun and hilarity as we travel through time with Fanny Bryce on an unforgettable, nostalgic journey throughout her life and jaw-dropping, infamous relationships. Chelsea and I both saw the show and we loved that it had so many cool and unknown facts, songs, and anecdotes that we never got in Funny Girl and it takes you on a lifelong journey, not just the story of her relationship with Nick Arnstein. Plus, it just felt like we were back in the theater. Kimberly embodies Fanny Bryce and it was so cool to see what felt like a musical, musical theater Broadway show right on my device. Go get a ticket to stream Fabulous Finny Bryce. It's only $11. And for our podcast listeners, use the code FRIENDS for $7 tickets. Go to fabulousfannybryceshow.com for dates and showtimes and get those tickets to stream. Again, go to fabulousfannybryceshow.com to get those tickets and use code FRIENDS. We highly, highly recommend this for some quarantine entertainment. Cheers.